by the way. Oh, okay. Have been. What I'm going to talk about today has, and I've been blogging about it, and I've been out commenting out there and spreading my uh, ideas here and there, and it is sometimes met with some pretty uh, strong resistance. Um, just some of the ideas. Uh, things like, comments like, everything's moving out to the cloud, what are we going to do as writers? Well, other things um, out there, uh, Tim Berners-Lee talking about uh, linked data topics for science, for um, communication, for um, uh, how we want the semantic web. Uh, cloud computing, uh, live streaming, Ajax. These are things that are a lot of buzzwords we hear around and we've been hearing it for quite a while. Um, some of the things and some of the reasons uh, I'm not, as John can attest to, I'm not uh, really, how do I put this nicely? I'm not against saying what I feel, which is probably why I don't have a job right now. But, um, and which way I think the, the, the direction of things are going. And I know, I still believe in it adamantly, but I also have taken a step back and realized that not everybody is in the same position that I'm in, and that is as a software writer, mainly. Um, while I look out at the world and I see, I was listening to NPR yesterday, and of course when you make a contribution then NPR lets you give that little tagline, you know. Well, Microsoft's tagline, and you know, this program was uh, uh, brought to you by Microsoft, uh, the foremost vendor in something to the effect in cloud computing. So that's what they want on NPR for their tagline now. So as they move into Thanksgiving Point here, they're moving uh, their uh, SMS team down here. And they just made an announcement last week with HP that um, they're going to start defining protocols for web computing for IT system management systems, which would be competing directly, and that's why they're here. They're competing directly with Landesk and with Symantec and with Novell. That's why they're moving down here, is they're gonna take the talent as much as they possibly can. They're gonna compete at that level. Um, and what they're also gonna do is they're saying, they're, they've also do what they do best. Uh, they fudded, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So if they throw out and say, we're gonna move everything to the cloud, then they're gonna chill sales. And that's their intent. That's what they've done with, my, with uh, Windows 3.2, and that's what they, that's what they do. That's well, I'm talking about the web. web yeah. Right. So they're going to so every so they're going to move Office to the web, right? So you will run it as a web app. You will save it as a web app. Uh, uh, I use for blogging, I use, um, what is it, MS Writer or whatever it is? Live Writer. Live Writer, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's what they're going to do with uh, Word. That's what everybody's going to be doing, by the way. Uh, IBM, when you see those commercials out there about uh, how they're going to make the world smarter, that's 
that's what they're doing. They're, they're going to do as Tim Berners-Lee says, and they're going to identify object. Everything is an object out in the cloud. Everything is an object out in the web. APIs will be open more and more coming for, going forward. Um, you see mashups, which are this, maybe some of these terms we ought to hit on quickly, but a mashup. Does anybody know what a mashup is? Basically, what a, in music, right? A mashup is when you have Bing Crosby and you know U2, and you bring them together and you create a third kind of entity, right? A third kind. That's what a mashup is in, um, in the uh, software world. Is it is um, you take um, Flickr, you take Google Maps and you write the APIs so that you have a picture so that when you go to Google Maps you bring in that picture from Flickr. You've created a third entity here by, by bringing in those other two. That's what a mashup is. So um, linked data, the Tim, I threw Tim Berners-Lee's, you know, the, the inventor of the World Wide Web. He was, did a, uh, it's been a year now, but he did a, a little thing at, at the TED conference, which they're having again this year, is going on right now. And he talked about um, linked data. It's um, what he thinks is the next big thing, and that basically is, the, it's on the lower end of the semantic web, and it is basically everything from a URI is given a name and a title. Right, and so you can, it's just going to help you to grab content better through the semantic web. So his idea is with scientists, uh, what he's saying is, and he started the chant at the TED conference, more raw data, more raw data. He doesn't want to wait till someone writes a web page. He wants that raw data as it comes out of the science experiments and he wants it in front of him and then he will, he will give it context. That's what that's what linked data is. It is really the most simple type of semantic web. And semantic meaning everything is not marked by syntax, but by its meaning, right? So they will have what they call triplets in there. So that it will be a subject, a predicate, and an object. So they will just identify this thing by what it is, what it does, and what it acts upon. And that allows them to pull information in uh, for scientific research and, and, and to create groups of people that share raw data. That's what linked data is. So we've got mashups, we've got linked data, we've got Web 2.0. Maybe someone else could give me a definition of Web 2.0 for me. Well, let me give you mine. Web 1.0 for me. The world according to me. Of course, this is all the world according to me. Web 1.0 is when we started posting websites, right? And we go to the website. Web 2.0 is when we start interacting with each other, whether it's a wiki or LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, what else? Uh, pretty much we're in the throes of Web 2.0 right now. Thanks to HTML. Yeah, thanks to HTML, exactly. Um, um, and Tim Berners-Lee, yeah. Um, web 3.0 will be the semantic web. And that's when you go in, you put on your avatar suit virtually out there, and then they find the information and it comes to you. And 
that's so for some people we they see it as we're bridging we're just barely getting to web 2.0 but we're moving to web 3.0 as well so <clears throat> those are uh, at least some of the terms i'm going to hit on today um there's a few things i mean i think i want to dispel here first of all a mashup really is a programmatic entity here and that is grabbing the APIs and bringing it together and creating um, a product, like I said, a real estate with Google Maps. That's always a good one to throw out there. But creating a lot of different content and processes, you pull it together and mash it together. But it's very much um, um, a program, you know, a lot of programming goes behind it where linked data is the most simple. You have a URI, you dereference it back to a URL server, and then you're able to just grab these little pieces and then you put it together as you need at your end. And that's how you stream information. Streaming is another thing that everybody, you know, RSS feeds, Atom feeds, everything like that. So we got streaming out there. Everything is real time. Live streaming, real time web streaming. That's, these are all the buzzwords, right? But they're becoming more than buzzwords now. When you see IBM and you see Microsoft, you see what they're doing to the market, we're, gonna, we're, we're there. We're gonna be there very soon. And maybe this doesn't affect everyone. Some of the things I'm gonna talk about and what our position is as writers here in a web 2.0 world, in a world of semantic web, in a world with linked data and mashups and cloud computing, where, where do we end up as uh, technical writers, as uh, information developers, as uh, content strategists, if you will, as editors? Um, We've got some other factors going on here as well. Anyway, any questions before I start this off? Basically, I'm going to break it into three parts here. So as we get started, let me ask you a question. Yes. With all the security concerns and all the people trying to damage our data, what do we want to go to? Money. I mean, saving money. Yeah, well, yeah, I know, I know. Remember Randy Fields? Remember he used to stand up there and say, no store, no uh, retailer will ever let the internet into their store because of security concerns, right? Well, he was wrong. Uh, that's where a lot of business of these companies are being done right now is on the web. So I'm kind of looking at it the same way. Security is a problem, make no mistake. But that's why uh, HP and, and Microsoft are putting together their infrastructure. That's why IBM's putting together their infrastructure right now. So there will be competing infrastructure. I haven't even talked about Google or Amazon. Amazon has their own platform as well. Um, and then there's a lot of smaller players too. Well, that brings up the same question you bring up the Microsoft example, because I know that they've been supposedly working towards the clouds for 15 years now. Mm -hmm. So is the difficulty of doing it really, is it really so difficult that they've taken 15 years and are still a ways out? Well, yeah, and that's an interesting because... It's a theoretical concept that everyone loves, but they can't be implemented. Well, it was until Google came. 
And now they're going to run them out of business if they don't keep up with Google. Because see, Google's got an online OS, right? You don't even have to have an OS anymore. And I, I saw something, what not to buy in 2010? A hard drive, okay? Nobody's buying a hard drive, this article said. It's because we're all going to do our saving up in the cloud, all right? I think there's a lot of examples of problems. Yeah, when you get that phone call that says, we're sorry, but our servers all died. Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't have or, or hacked. Or, or, right, that's what I'm saying. There's well, a but these... The data just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. yeah they go say, oh, sorry. But the, I think what people are... But I think what people are thinking of is that they don't want to do the back-end work. They don't want to keep the server farm. They want Facebook to do it in some giant farm somewhere else. They want Google to do it. They want LinkedIn. They want Microsoft. They want someone else to do the back-end stuff. They, don't, they want that to just be out there in the cloud, and then they can write to the API. They can pull down the information that they want, and they can have their own entity there. But they don't have to worry about the backroom server closet. I think that's part of what they're talking right, about. Is, but they're not thinking about they're money people. They're not thinking about what we're talking about. But Google also is the one who's running this, right? I mean, that's what's pushing Microsoft. Microsoft doesn't want to get anybody to get out of Windows. Microsoft doesn't want to take Office into the cloud. Microsoft wants to keep things the way they are. But unfortunately, now here's Google who's trying to run them into the ground. Uh, as far as them getting together with HP, HP, one of the foremost um, uh, hardware vendor, and they are the so foremost software vendor, they're probably going to make, uh, at least far, as far as uh, systems management tools for certain markets, they're going to probably make a splash and probably going to kill a few companies doing it, which is just the life and death cycle of our world. The fog of information. Thank you. I could go on and on. We could have you go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what I'm trying to say here is everything's coming at us at once, right? We're seeing everything from you know MSNBC and Fox News. Try to get your news by watching those two at the same time. Um, Facebook, MySpace. You know, we got all of the. We've got. Uh, um, We've got all of the search engines here. Uh, we've got you know email. We've got Twitter. We've got, and we've got regular media as well here. So, for many of the companies that we work for, at least in the software industry, we end up with that. We end up with different departments writing their own stuff, generating their own material. Training rarely works with, and this is my experience, by the way. Training rarely, I've never seen it, work with documentation. Support forums, that they have their own structure, right? Marcom, who spelled it that way? Anyway, yeah, okay. Uh, I need an editor. Um, uh, you know, and then you've got the engineers. You've got everybody just trying to throw everything they can out there. They're, uh, we're overlapping information all over the place. And uh, these executives who are trying to save money, they really should be looking at this, 
right here. They really should be looking at pulling all of this together and having uh, the education people working with the, the technical writers and using the same core information, whether you're writing a, uh, a, a form for a professional services or you're doing MARCOM stuff, everything should be fitting in there in my estimation. Because I know the company I work for, I had a budget of, what, 1.2 million for my writers. I know training probably had 1.2 million. I know that probably professional services had a million and a half, probably more. And um, you look at all the content that they produce and they were overlapping. I think if you just looked at the raw numbers, which someone is, uh, and making different assumptions than I am here, by the way, I would be looking at those numbers and say, I would like to combine that stuff together. I'd like to have these people working together. And that's part of what we want to talk about. All this is just another, everything that's stored out there in the cloud, in the, on the web. Uh, so you ask a question like, how do I set up my IT management system, which is where I came from, that's why I ask these questions. You end up going to the knowledge base, you end up going to social sites, there's forums, there's wiki sites that every development team sets up. The company I used to work for, the biggest document that's hit on their knowledge base is actually just a table showing where everything else is. So they go out there and it's all over the place. And Everybody is writing it independently. When I started at, at um, not the last company, uh, another company, I started to realize there was really only one document written. But everybody had pieced it out and added it into their documents. And so you'd read one, you go, wait, I've seen that paragraph before. And I've seen this. And you realize the same content was just being rewritten by a whole bunch of different departments here. This is how I think the world is changing. I think we've seen it. I was outsourced. Uh, it's easy to move a writer for uh, the cost that they did to uh, Estonia or India or Korea or wherever we've heard, China. Uh, and that's why they call it the flattening of the world, right? That's what they say. When the world's getting flat, that means we can communicate over, we can send files over. They don't have to be here. They can be in India. We can be working in real time. But I'm also saying that we're also getting flat vertically, right? And that is, is that working out on the web, we have a voice, as does any corporation out there, that we have a real, um, the ability to um, uh, compete with them directly in some things. And in, as I'll bring up, in some ways we may even want to be more predatory and how we compete with customers. Not all the time. There's also working with companies, right, as third-party writers, as just being independent freelance writers. Microsoft uses this a lot. They wine and dine their, their third-party writers, and um, they count on them. They have technical writing teams that do help, and they do a lot of different things. But they also use... Um, use third-party people, independent people, and of course, there's what I'm most uh, focused on right now is really the independent writer who is not attached to anyone except for the customer. So, 
For example, if Microsoft comes to town, which they are, and they put together with HP uh, documentation set on their APIs, and they start writing about how they are making communication, IT management, and everything that they do, they're going to start writing a little bit in a shotgun communication. They'll have a shotgun communication at HP. Pretty soon you've got two shotguns shooting at the same time. And you're going to end up, as we do now, with information spread all over the web. I'm just saying, I'm asking the question. As writers, do we have an advantage here? As writers, do we have um, uh, the ability to take this raw data and really to give it context? Are, is there a position out there also as independent contractors where we can take that on out in the web? They don't go to Microsoft or HP. They go to my new website, which actually can be both, can both take the content that they have, pull it in, give it context, and on the other hand, can pull in their competitors as well because I don't have to be a beholding to any corporation. I am only beholding to the customer. So I can start writing blogs that turn into books. I can start writing uh, widgets and gadgets that can be used out there to pull information in. These are questions, by the way. I'm not doing it right now, but I'm looking at doing it. Um, that's where I'm saying the world is also getting flatter. And I think it's going to happen all at once. All right? I think that it's been going on for a while, but we really haven't started writing for the 21st century now. We've just pretty much got some really nice typewriters here that allow us to cut and paste, but we're still writing in the same fashion that we always have been. I use this analogy. This is where the Great Salt Lake was formed, right? This is where Lake Bonneville broke through and poured into the Snake River Valley and ran down the Columbia River and left that little puddle we now call the Great Salt Lake. It looked like it happened all at once, but it was wearing away for centuries for eons. And I'm saying we have been, this has been going on for eons and I think things are changing dramatically now. And I think we're gonna have a big change all of a sudden. But first of all, we need to define what we're talking about here. Data. Data, I, I think we all have our ideas of what data is. Um, pieces of information without context. Information is combined, is not just disparate pieces of uh, X's and O's or ones and O's, whatever. Um, it, uh, information now is com comes in pieces. So like we're saying with shot shotgun communication, you really have pieces of the whole picture out there for a product, for a service, for a topic. Um, but putting all that information and giving it context, giving it credence, that's what knowledge is. And so what I'm looking at here is saying, We've got a lot of information, and others are saying that as well. Uh, Tim Berners-Lee, that's exactly what he's saying. We've got a lot of data out there. We need it now. We need to put it together, and everyone has their own different needs for this. And 
And so we need to, his point is, is we need to turn that data into information that we can turn into real knowledge. So here's a couple of the ways we can do that. One is linked data, where, and that's what we're seeing out there, all those objects out in, on the web, right? So we can pull those together. We, on the left, uh, the meshing of linked data. So we take the pieces that we want, we give it context and organization, and we can do that immediately as soon as it's available out on the web. Whether you're research doing nanotechnology uh, and sharing your information with someone who's doing DNA technology, and you build a consortium of writers. Of, of engineers, and that's how they're going to share information according to him. Um, the one in the middle, that's a true mashup. That is really bringing semantically rich data, uh, and as it says, open a uh, APIs uh, to create something new for integrated information mashing, functionality mashing, uh, and that's r much more programmatic than the linked data is. Personalized information as well, which is really just using those other two technologies and linking it in with you as another object out in the cloud. Any questions? Well, doesn't matching data actually require a lot more self-restraining and, uh, and, and control than, say, uh, writing other content? Because yes. If, if, you're, if you're talking about that basically you need to be on the crest of the wave, Right. 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 They're not. We're getting people who want to use the tools and want to do all the fancy stuff, but they can't write a sentence and they can't compose a document. Right. And I yeah. see that too. And, and it's true. A lot of times, basically, they're more like more interested about spitting out content uh, than it is about checking it and making it. Make sure it, make sure it works and reasonable. Yeah. But if we are, if what you're thinking about is in terms of a mashup, and we're talking 21st century where we're using APIs, visual aids, and combining them all together, mm -hmm. then essentially writing really becomes kind of a small part of it. You really are thinking that it's going to actually, we're going to be designers of information, and it's going to be a lot more complex. More managers of information. I, I think that's going to be part of it. And I think, uh, just quickly, I think that's going to be part of it. I think that may be part of some of our jobs. 
All right, not all of us. But do I think writing's gonna be out? No, I think writing needs to move somewhere else, actually. I think that uh, all of the rote work being done by me in some of my jobs where all I did is tag along behind an engineer and write down an API or write down a feature, that can be done in India, okay? I knew it at the time I was getting overpaid. Um, but when it comes to writing best practices and when it comes to writing really contextual stuff that's well written, that really focuses on the customer needs, that's not going to be done in China and India because they don't know the market. Yes. I, I, it may not be like to say, it may be a different thing, but it's still... I, the, the one thing, misperceptions, I think people, misperceptions people have, my, I had a boss come in and they fired him, but come in and the first thing he said to us was, you guys better all look around the company for another job because you're going away. Mm -hmm. this concept. Right. Have you ever gone into a knowledge base and tried to find something? Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, not successfully. There's a lot of that information out there, but it's got to be put in a persuasive way or a constructive or informative. Even with this, you're going to have designers, but you don't just put it on the page. You're still going to have to put information in there, you know, model information. But this, for this, for science, scientists writing subject matter, access, but this is like the raw stuff, okay? This is right. the raw stuff, and so it, they can talk from, and it's also talking from one machine. Really what linked data is, it's the ability to talk from one machine to the other. So we don't have to do a lot of that other stuff. So it will move this data to the other, and then on the other end, we will give it context. The, the machine will give it context. So... I, I hear what you're saying, and part of it I agree with is that some of the rote writing that we've been doing is going away, all right? But I'm not sure that was writing any more than it was scribing, I think, is what we were doing. Um, because there's a dark, deep chasm of information that we're not getting to. We're getting the engineers and we're getting the product people over here who are writing from their perspective. And on the other hand, we've got the salesmen who are saying what they say, and there's nothing in the middle to say, how do we really take this product and make it work well for us? Um, and I'm thinking of software here, so it may not touch on everybody's. Well, uh, isn't that the first challenge of cloud computing, though, what we're talking about here? You're still going to need content development. The average person, like John said earlier, just wants to be home, sitting on their couch, watching TV. They right. don't want to be going through these. He was talking about himself, but yes. Incredible amount. Uh -huh. I know, but the average person <laughs> right. wants to be sitting at home, watching TV, or playing games, or doing whatever. They don't want to be searching through database of information, looking for stuff. And the average person, do they really have the analytical still skills to go through and and understand what they're reading? Do they want to spend the time right. doing that? Right. There's still got to be good, good, good content developers. Isn't the whole point of this just getting to where you can have really good content developers and then you can use their content throughout? Yeah, that's my belief. <coughs> that's my vision, yeah. 
I believe that they're going to need more writers. I believe that's the information age. We've got the web out there. I think we need more and better writing out there for a lot of reasons. And we're not getting it. Well, it means it's a checkbook. Like you say, they can say, well, I can get this guy in India to do it. Right. I can get this guy over there to do it. And, uh, and yeah. You know, so they don't care. They don't care what it sounds like or whatever. They say, there's a check mark. We have a list of instructions. We have an overview. We have a this and we have a that. Let's go sell it. Right. Uh, that's exactly. And so let's, let's localize that stuff we just, that crap we just wrote at 60 cents a word or whatever. And pretty soon that crap we just wrote costs $3.5 million. Yeah, right. My biggest problem with India is turnover. Yeah. Because the market's so hot over there, I would keep a guy for yeah. six, yeah. and their wages are going up, yeah. like you said. It reminded me of us in the 80s. Yeah. You That's know? Why, yeah. Right. Right. Brazil used to be considered best shore, but Brazil got too expensive. Uh -huh. Then we went to India. India is going to get too expensive, and now we're looking to China. Yeah. And basically, it's just kind of pass off of who's the cheapest. And unfortunately, you're right. Whoever is the cheapest isn't usually the best. Some of it's coming back. Some of it's coming back. Some of the even the help support phone things and some of the stuff is coming back because they're because of our economy and what's taken away. Yeah. Um, and I think they're starting to realize. I mean, these are left brain people, right? These are people who are just straight. They, I mean, you know, and let's not even talk about the corporate executives of the last few years, by the way, from Enron to AIG to, you know, whomever. Okay, I'm showing a little hostility here. <laughs> try to get it out. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, but uh, what my, in my belief is that they're wrong, okay? They don't know what they're talking about, and when it comes to this stuff, they're only half a brain. Part of it is they've never been there. Right. They've never been us. Right. And so they have no clue. It's, it's sort of like my parents lived for many, many years, never understanding what I did. Mm -hmm. These guys don't know what we do. They don't know the value we add. They have no clue. And there's the other part of it, too, is that they don't want us to add value. Because I ran up against cases where the professional service people or the consultants, they don't want customers knowing too much here because oh, yeah, then they're, out of jobs. they're out of jobs. Right. So we would put content together and then say, no, we don't want to talk about that. One guy says, oh, I'm going to, Blair Thomas, remember him? He wrote all the uh, novel books. He was writing a book out there, 500 pages. Blair, what are you going to write 500 pages about? It was uh, migrating to Vista and the process. Well, I'm going to write 500 pages to tell them that they have to come get our professional services. I go, man, I could do that in five words. Yeah. 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 <laughs> His point was, is I'm going to make it so difficult that, that, they, the, have that they have to. So you're going to write information that's going to obscure information. Okay. But that, 
that was, the, I mean, you know, that's the model that they have going. So what does that mean for us? Well, they don't necessarily want all that information imparted out there. So what that means to me is that it's time to compete. It's time to take them on. It's time to go directly at them. That's just me. Of course, I've got this A-plus personality, and not all may agree. But what I'm saying is, is that I believe there's more, uh, there's more for us to do than there ever has been before. We just need to find our position. Yeah, and we need to also make them pay. This is basically what linked data is. This is the old flower thing for linked data. Basically, you take from all these different databases that are closed and you create a new entity. A new flower grows. You'll probably see that again, by the way. Just along those same lines, you mentioned functional meshing before. Mm -hmm. When you say functional meshing, not only with data, but are you talking about, I'm seeing this happening in our organization, in a software house, Let's take this component and that component and that component and that mm -hmm. component from these various legacy products. Right. These, let's take these components and let's repackage them and bring them together. And in order to do that, you have to have it in, you know, use Web 3.0, a new language, new environment. C sharp. And repackage it. You've got to totally rethink your data as well. So in the software world, there, that, a lot of that's happening with the software itself. And are you kind right. of going along those same lines? I'm basically, yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that this isn't just our problem as writers. It's, it's a big problem in software, too. Yeah. Because software, software developers are moving o offshore. Software development's moving into the cloud. Um, they're, in, we're, they're in the same boat. And, what, and if they're in that boat, then we're going to be in that boat. Who's going to be able to afford to go to Walmart? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Chinese are going to have to come get their stuff back. I don't know. What's really interesting, I don't know if you get to this, but when you have development, when you're trying to do this, when you're trying to mesh, and you have the meshers mm -hmm. that are all over the world in different time zones, you have people in India doing this, people in the UK doing this, people in Salt Lake doing this, and people in Korea doing this, and they're all on one team. How much does it cost? What's the cost of the communication, the barriers, the different time zones, not being together in one spot? When you're trying to do this meshing. Yes. <laughs> Under a certain time limit. Or, you know, that's the thing you can redo a lot. I know I've heard this in the margin. And I work, I work for the Japanese company too. And you redo tons of stuff. You redo it over and over again. It's just have people spread out. People are spread out at all over right. the place. Rather than being in one office and that creates all kinds of problems and you're the manager of some of yeah groups, so the whole remote yeah. management thing is a nightmare well yeah. not always um, yeah and i would agree with that too the like my manager he's over a group of about now about 50 people and it used to be over a group of like eight in concord california and now it's all spread out to worldwide and he's had to do it for many different factors um, but the thing is, is that one of the reasons why I'm so busy doing dumb metrics, which I hate, but mm -hmm. what keeps me employed, uh, <laughs> is that the metrics is what he uses to judge people's performance. And so essentially what he does is that he says, okay, this year we have this many goals. We have to achieve these goals. If you don't achieve these goals, 
your job's on the line. And by the way, here's the metrics that proves that you're making or not making your goals. That's so, so difficult, though, isn't it? Right. Well, right. Well, the other problem is, is that metrics take a lot of time, yeah. and people over time, time yeah. get really tired of yeah. it. And so, when good economy hits and there's more money to be made, yeah. it's kind of like, why do I want to be here in the grind when I could be doing the fun stuff over yeah. in this company? Yeah. So. And that also takes longer for you to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. How much of those metrics are just measuring efficiency? Do you use the point? Oh, uh, the majority of them, yeah. in one way or the other. Yeah, just basically like, for example, in costs or basically how much an employee costs per month or, you know, basically how many hours they're billing and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of it is relative to efficiency <coughs> or, you know, uh, metric or revenue generated. I think that's the wrong approach, too. But I think that kills innovation. And innovation is the only thing that's going to save us here. And I just don't think they're going to last. But I've been wrong before. Yeah, that one time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's a matter. Of, I'm sorry, I'm taking. No, so please. Much, but I, I think it's a matter of pain threshold. Um, I think that in a bad economy, you have people who are trying to get content out as fast and cheap as possible because they want to. They're doing more work for less money. Um, and basically, after a certain point, there's a some pain threshold that people hit and customers hit that basically say, "Okay, this is awful." And I don't want to work with you. You give me this crap. Right. And then basically that's when they actually do the change and say, oh, we ought to have focus more on our content. But I've never seen them get to that point. I've never seen them get to that epiphany, right? I've seen them get to, well, uh, I know a company now that I worked for previously that um, they're saying your product's too hard to use. Okay. Well, the, the documentation is, is not good. It's gone downhill. Um, yeah, I'm sure the UI is not easy to use, and I'm sure the product's not easy to use, but also they're not able to sell the story of that product. And that's because they're writing bits and pieces, you know, just following the engineer around, throwing out uh, API and feature definitions. Um, I, I don't know that, I've never seen them really get to that point where they, I know they say we're spending too much, you know, as a manager. I would go and they say, we, we, we think you're wasting money anyway. We don't even think you're worth anything, basically, is what they were saying to us. Uh, it's just like a checkbox that we need to do. And at the same time, then the customers come back and say, we need this content. We need this information. We need all of this. So I think there's a real disconnect here. And I think it's just built into a little bit into the corporate culture. And I also believe that during the good times, we could get away with it. I've noticed so much in the stores I go to around here. I've noticed that the customer uh, contact relation is so much better now. Go into Home Depot and it's, it's everybody's coming out. Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? Well, yeah. When I worked for Dyke Fisher, they were, their big major customer said, we won't buy anything else. We want our money back if you don't improve your documentation. Uh, and so over the six years I was there, we did. Yeah. And I mean, it's not great or anything, but it was a lot better than it was. And they got their business back and everything. So I've seen it happen. Yeah, I, 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 I've seen 
I guess I've just been with customers who haven't learned their lesson, but um, I've seen Cisco kick them out and they're like, well, you know, they must not have liked the product. Well, they said it's because they can't figure it out. And you've got three sets of documentation that gives four ways of doing it. So, but yeah. Anyway, I'll try not to be so bitter. I'm coming to the good part. We need to hold questions at the end. Yeah, well, this isn't really a, a, a meeting here. This is a group therapy session for me. So, <laughs> for all of us. This is a picture I stole off that they use. This is the raw data. So the idea here with linked data. So you have DBpedia right here, which you can't see. But DBpedia is Wikipedia that's been semantically uh, marked up, tagged. And so they can pull in, you can pull in a, uh, a topic from uh, Wikipedia through DBpedia. And that was one of the first things that they really made semantically aware. And now you see all these other things. Uh, Obama has promised to put all the U.S. government out there with uh, information with semantic markup on it. So they can pull all of that in as well. And that's why Tim Berners-Lee says, give me more raw data. That's what he wants to create. He wants all those linking back and forth so they can get the, the data. But this is data. It's not information and it's not knowledge. That needs to be written, okay? Or that needs to be imparted in some way. Anyway. So the mashup. We talked about the mashup. But the mashup is really what the programmers are dealing with right now. Although... I posted uh, last night on my site, it was called a doc mashup. And I had someone respond back to me and say, yeah, we're putting a knowledge mashup together. We're putting the infrastructure so you can do something like this. And I'll be following them. Uh, but basically, you can see that you've got the semantic. That's, there's the DBpedia. Whatever it is, you've got the semantic parts that's pulled down in. And the knowledge can be pulled down here automatically as part of the mashup. You can also do streaming, like salesforce.com has gone all online and they do all streaming now. It's, on, it's an all online. NetSuite is following their competitor. Um, Service-oriented architectures then, those are the, uh, uh, the uh, web APIs. And so, you know, like you get MapQuest, Google Map, I don't like those examples I put in there. And then you have your internal data, which someone brought up as well, is you're using both internal data and pulling together external data. So if you are an IT manager and you have a uh, database of all the machines and all the users and the software that they have into it, you can also pull in Google Maps and then you can say that's where they are. They're here, they're there, or you can get in any other data set to combine information. I keep bringing up Google Maps because that's the one everybody keeps bringing up because it's, it's something that is tangible that you can see how it would be used. But that's what, a any questions about a mashup, what it is. But all of this is done programmatically through APIs. But the other thing is, which is really a problem for developers, is that with four commands in JavaScript, you can, there's a lot of young kids out there doing a lot of crazy important stuff. What used to be, you know, with a platform like C Sharp or something else, now they're just doing it with the four put, you know, update commands, the four basic commands of JavaScript 
that they're using and they can do a lot of stuff by pulling together disparate pieces of functionality and mashing them together. They don't have to create the infrastructure. They can just pull together the, either the content, the functionality, they, of course they have to worry about security, as we talked about before. But a lot of these that you're seeing out there now, and if you go out to IBM, they are pushing mashups hard now. So if I, when I go to Zoom, I have a Zoom, when uh -huh. I go to Zoom, it comes up with a, and all of a sudden it tells me, here's a bunch of people listening to the same stuff you are, here's what they're listening to, here's the stuff that we have available, here's stuff we don't have available, but it's there, yeah. here's the history of these artists, I wonder where they're getting it depends on where they're getting all their data from if they're pulling yeah they could be I would think in some way they're pulling disparate data from somewhere in there if they've if they've taken the data and then put it in some repository and then build it out it's probably not a mashup but I would think I mean in some way it is a mashup right just that you're pulling different types of data in together to create by definition, a third entity here. But, um, yeah. Yeah, well that, and you know, the, the thing about live streaming also is that um, from your, birth, your digital birth certificate to your digital death certificate and everything in between, they will follow you through everything that you blog, everything that you do, anything out there, um, and then they start to mine that data. So, whether we want to or not. Yeah, I see the one that they said they're coming out today, the website where the guy puts up there and tells that you're not home. Oh. From Twitter, they get all the information, say, oh, this person's not home, go rob them. Right. Right. I heard. <laughs> yeah. Ingenious. It's good to see everybody's using the web. This is uh, the knowledge mashup. So, basically, you've probably seen this. You're, you're taking uh, content from the the web, you're taking private content that you want to pull into it, and then you're creating your own content. Now everybody out there though has to mark up all this the same for you to do that? Well, there, and, and I'm kind of jumping all over the place here, so I'm probably not um, being clear, but no, with linked data, it's much easier with, uh, so you're just pulling in data yeah, and doing it together. Well. With the semantic stuff, yes, you would either, I mean, with what this, this is just a very basic mashup, and I'm not even using semantics with it yet. But, but the next step will be to mark that stuff up as that stuff is marked up, and then I don't even have to go get it. It will just be pulled into the mashup automatically and updated. So you would have a search on Bing or you know Google or um, one of those other search engines out there that would be part of this, a part of a blog that you would bring into it. You'll see aggregators, you can even bring part of the aggregators in as widgets, gadgets, or some artifact that you can pull into that. Um, and then there's, you know, also part of Web 3.0 is, you know, the customer isn't coming to you anymore. You gotta go to the customer. And in many cases, that means going to their um, Facebook page, or going to their group, or going somewhere else. I mean, marketing's been doing this for some years now. But the idea here, especially in Web 3.0, is that you're not going out to somebody's website. That website needs to come to you. So Facebook Connect, 
Google Connect. That's what they try to do is give you the best of both worlds where you can have your website and still be connected to your group over here and then they take care of all the back end stuff. And you don't have to in, as part of that website. Uh, so they take care of the social groups, they take care of you know, uh, whatever you may have out there on LinkedIn or anything and they can pull all that together. Um, Wikipedia is a great one, I think. Of course, John Stewart's always making fun of it, but um, um, it's great for trivia. Yeah, and um, but there's some things about it I think, at least for me, in some con uh, uh, in in some ways that they can. Wikipedia is also it's a Web 2.0 product. You know, we're all putting definitions, updating our definitions, and. They got a few gnomes and gardeners running around telling you did it wrong, but basing that, it's created by that by all of us as a Web 2.0 enterprise. And then there's private content that we all have on our hard drives that we create. And then there's what the mashup author, and that's what they're doing is they're focusing that stuff, focusing that stuff, bringing, giving it context, giving an organization, and bringing it into the reader who also adds content. And that's what the definition of a knowledge mashup, at least for me, is, and for some others, I guess. Yes. Yeah, that's a. I think it is. I think I think we're. I think part of it is is that the quality. I don't think we're going to be as concerned nowadays. How, where we get our information or how it looks. I think that uh, even now when we're on social groups or anything, we're getting information from or, or uh, doing just a search. We're getting information in all sorts of different uh, styles and, and um, everything. So as far as that, I think, I think on one hand, I guess what I'm saying is that, yeah, the qualities probably going to be lessened from what, you know, it's not going to be the compendium or the novel that we're all used to and where we, you know, it's, it's going to be Wikipedia and it's not going to be Britannica, I think. And along those same lines, you can have a whole discussion on global English. Yes. And, um, I mean, the global English topic is really interesting. If you're writing content for Asian, Right. You're not going to pay for translation. No. So your language has to be very simple. And if it is written by Indians and they're making punctuation mistakes, are the Asians going to notice? Yeah. Are they going to care? Right. If there's punctuation quality errors? Maybe, but if the information timely and there on time, is what they need, when they need it, is that more important? Yeah, and I think that's and I think that's the point I was given is that people will put up with a lot if they can just get the information into their hands. Now, am I saying that we don't want James Joyce or, you know, throw out the great Gadsby or, you know, no. I'm saying there's a place for good writing and good information, but for some people, sometime it's the expediency that is everything. But that's not what you were asking. Oh, yeah, I wasn't asking about the language. Okay. I mean, grammar and language because you can see in something like this that you're going to have information. I think Tom brought this up 
before also when he interviewed me also is that when you bring stuff in it's going to all look different it's going to have a different tone it's going to have a different look everything's going to be it's going to be mashed together and it's not going to look like the um, uh, frame maker documents that we all you know spent so much time on uh, and this is what a mashup is is kind of just balancing that so taking everything you can together out there that you think is germane, right? Is that uh, is important to you, uh, has value, and is just kind of floating out there. You pull it together in this anchor document, this um, that uh, the central document portal document. Let's come up with a name for it. Um, and then use you, you well, like writing. Any writing is, you know, you first write with your heart and then first draft with your heart and the second draft with your head. Well, you go out, you know, it's that puking on the page thing. Your first, your first draft is just get everything out there. And then you organize it by topics and then you give it sequence and then you start thinking about the customer, the reader at that point. But to begin with, it's a, an exercise in discovery here for any writer, I believe, writing, for me, anyway. And then you start con imparting that, uh, publishing that, and getting it out so someone else understands it the same way you do. Or, uh, that goes back to what you said about adding value. You know, the company says, you know what, I don't want my engineer spending two weeks trying to sort all this information out. Give me a writer to sort it out and give me a document that tells me what it is. Yeah. My manager says that all the time. Yeah. You know, I don't want my it's your job, Marge. Take hmm. what? And in our company, it's disparate. It's all over the place. Take it and coalesce it. Yeah. Make it fit together. Yeah. So you, um, so you uh, paraphrase, you rewrite, you give an organization, but it's all streaming through you and your voice, right? Yeah. So does this assume yeah. that all the information we're getting in is correct? No. I think you have to define if that information is correct. That's part of the sifting process. Right. When you find something totally wrong. That's what this guy needs to do, this bald-headed guy. And by the way, you've noticed that all my men are bald-headed. I like that world. So the bald-headed person is supposed to be the end user? They're supposed to be he's, he's supposed to be the author. I'm sorry. I have it. I should put author right there. They're the aggregator, yeah. They're the author, aggregator, because they do both, right? Because what I'm saying here is that they pulled in, they found a great blog that they want to reference that they don't want to lose. They're going to pull that in and use it. They're going to use videos out there. They're going to pull in white papers. They're going to pull in even internal documentation and give it new context based on this topic right here. So all of that shotgun communication, which is a topic, I, once again, IT management here, uh, virtual software, deploying virtual software is the topic. So what it's saying is, uh, first of all, go look at this blog that says, are you really ready for this? You know, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to write that up. Some guy already did a great blog on that. I'm going to share that with you. All right. Go see if you have the foundation for using 
uh, app streaming or virtual software. And um, the image is, so I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put it on my database. I'm going to put it in Flickr. I'm going to do the same thing with my videos on YouTube. I like pictures on Flickr, videos on, on YouTube. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to do the orange stuff here. And I'm going to add context into it. I'm going to add my own stuff to, so to answer your question is what if it's wrong? Well, I'm saying it's right. I'm just saying I'm not going to rewrite it. I'm not going to paraphrase it. I'm going to say there it is. And then I'm going to give it context around here. So I'm going to try to pull in training stuff, documentation stuff, uh, stuff from, you know, from uh, all the libraries that Google Scholar is doing nowadays and they can do. And, and then we've got RSS feeds too. So it's a dynamic document, always. It's kind of like, I don't know, have you ever used OneNote? Yes. OneNote? That's a manual, a right. manual mashup where you bring it all in. Right. And, and, automated and matter of fact, I, I'm looking at OneNote and Evernote and the brain. Um, what I liked about OneNote is that, for example, Windows 7, they brought in uh, a tutorial and they just made that the template. So then they give you this template in OneNote and now you can... So they give you the orange stuff about Windows 7, and now you can pull in the videos and every training you want in OneNote. You can do the same thing in Evernote, and you can do it all on your iPod in Evernote and on uh, uh, Macintosh or uh, <laughs> uh, Windows devices, my, uh, Microsoft devices for OneNote. I'm not saying this is happening overnight, but what, what all I'm modeling this with is what the developers are doing, right? So if we think about the um, Microsoft Office out on the web, the help files have got to change, right? They're not going to be sitting out there like they were. They're going to, well, they're already integrated with the web. The help files are from Apple and Microsoft Word and these big companies as well. They localize portions of it and then they move you out to the web for the rest of the information. You can find information for Microsoft Word on how to use outlines, but how to set up a practice for using master and subdocs, it's not out there. That's you go out to the web for. But I agree. There's, there's many countries that don't have the web, but I bought that argument 10 years ago, okay? But I'm not dealing with those people anymore. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And really, uh, I was going to start my little thing here today saying this may not affect you either. If, you're, if your product is not going to be going to the web, it may not affect you in that way directly. But indirectly, it's... Yeah. Because I work for a, for a defense contractor, and we can't do that. Yeah. Because of security, they won't allow Right. But what are they going to do when they, Microsoft comes out and says, well, you know what, we don't sell. We don't sell. They don't want to access it on the web. Yeah. At a yearly fee for it. 
Um, I don't know about the, the fee stuff. I do know that I do believe, though, it will be cheaper than doing your own back-end infrastructure. Whether you pay Facebook some money or not, it's going to be cheaper than you doing it. And, and for corporations doing it. And I'm not sure with the, I mean, that's the problem with how do you make money on the web now, right? Is how do you make a pay? No, but we've got the model out there that everything's free. So where they, can, can Rupert, Rupert Murdoch really get people to pay for the Wall Street Journal? He's going to find out here pretty soon. He's also going to go sue Google, right? Because they're aggregating his content. Uh, well, I, I just can't see it happening, no. but. Some have, some have tried it and then backed off. Some websites were very popular, start saying, okay, we're going to charge, and then all of a sudden, the reader's just going Yeah. I, I just think the cat's out of the bag, you know? You can't go back and start charging now. But there's, other, there's going to be other ways to monetize it out there and you know that's they're hoping that um, they can find that way anyway so you're saying technical communicator can be the person out on the web or out in the cloud <coughs> writing the source stuff tagging and writing I also going to be one that might offer I think that's right. I think there's going to be different positions out there, and that's what we talked about. Some people are going to be setting up the linked data between scientific researchers, okay? And that's going to, I think, going to be their job. They're going to be less writers than they're going to be, um, you know, even now we have people who are in a writing team who do the, the builds, right? The production people. And I think that's, it's going to be either a low-level, you know, developer, or it's going to be an information manager. I think Marge said, you know, you're going to, you're just going to herd that information, actually. But there's also going to be writers here. And I believe, and this is the point that I wanted to get to, I believe this is the best of times for technical writers. All right? Although some of us have been laid off and several times, yes. And yeah, me too. And uh, some of us have, uh, and, and, and things have moved over, uh, offshore. Um, I still firmly believe this is the information age. English is the language of the web. We know English. We um, have the skills to take things to the next step as, as writers. I think we need to identify where our role is now because I think our traditional role is gone or moving. Not, and I'm, I'm making blanket statements that I don't mean to say your job's going, but what I'm saying is, is what we've already said here today. Well, you said what, what you said. I think right now, I mean, I've been in the industry most of my life has been engineering writing. You have to know electronics. You have to know all that stuff. I think a lot of younger writers have to decide, am I going to be the author right. or am I going to be the tool person? Yeah. Be, you know, or am I going to be the electrical engineer? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so you say, okay, where do, you know, which way do I go? And then if I'm going to be the tools person, you're competing with computer programmers now. You know? But 
they can pay them a hundred grand a year or you twenty grand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> There's also I mean in my company, the riders that really add value uh -huh. are the riders that are the testers, uh -huh. the riders that are the scripters, they write scripts, the riders that know Java, the riders right. that know C programming, yeah. the riders that can write their own tools. So they can develop and they can run. And they can test and find problems and help testing in key ways. So those are the ones that have survived. And you know who are the other? Oh, those developers, well, Mars. Yeah, or even you. Yeah. They're rare. They're very, very rare. I mm -hmm. have one right now, so. Right. <laughs> I was just going to think but I've just known one person in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Or just riders, and they want to just run. Right. Those some of them survive, but generally the ones that really add value are the ones that I was just talking about and the managers really like. <laughs> March. One of the things that I have found in my career over the years, and right now I'm working with a writer who just kicks against the bricks big time to learn something new. Uh -huh. We have to reinvent ourselves. Yes. We have to. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who worked for Nobel for 17 years. She has been laid off from Nobel for four years, mm -hmm. and she's an editor. She has not found a job. And it's, I, I say to her on a weekly basis, companies don't hire right. editors anymore. Graphics you need people. to reinvent yourself. You need to become something else, whether it's learn web development, whether it's you know start learning about these new technologies. But we have to make sure going forward that we utilize our best skills in new ways. Yes. And our best skills are the fact we can communicate, we can write, we can impart information, we can organize. Mm -hmm. And what I was just going to say is that uh, who I'd be afraid of is from writers, I mean, you know, is the product managers. And others, people out there who need writing skills, don't have writing skills, we can learn their business skills. I don't think they can learn our writing skills knowing the people I have in mind right now. <laughs> anyway, I just think it's a great skill that we have and we just need to branch out as Marge is saying and go into other things. So I'm looking at product management, but I'm also looking at, uh, uh, you know, the engineering part. I think we're going to have more engineers, you know, writing to wikis and writing to this linked data stuff. And there's going to be a lot of raw data that they're going to throw out like that. I, I, I also think there's fewer and fewer people that can actually write nowadays. So. We have, you know, just like we have 900 channels on our cable TV, but no content, but Gilligan's Island and, you know, and showing up again and again or whatever. And um, we, uh, we need content. We need people out there. I think the infrastructure is built in the web. And I think that engineers are going to run into a harder time here because we've got the infrastructure built. They're offshoring. Things are easier. You can do with JavaScript. There's a whole bunch of frameworks that you can put things together nowadays. And I just think that those people who can generate content and can do, and can do it well are going to be um, find a new renaissance here. From my mouth to, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, we're, we are putting this together. Uh, so I am um, working with uh, a friend who is a developer. And um, he's the one who keeps telling me this. He says, hey, I'm a dime a dozen, man. 
He says, I, he's, he's an architect, he's a manager of developers. He goes, I can get development anywhere. I can't find people to write well out there for my customer base. Now, the problem has already been brought up is that he can't talk his boss into getting more people to do that. So my point is, it says, well, let me just, I'll just start writing independently, uh, put it out on the web and for his competitor. And once he sees that he's losing business, then we'll change the whole thing around. Wait, I'm getting nasty again, aren't I? Oh. That's what yeah, I know. It sure is, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's the way, I think that's what needs to be done for our careers. That's why I would tell the very, you know, a kid in college. I would say, you're going to be an independent contractor. And what you need to do is you need to own the content. You need to be the subject matter expert who can also write. And you create a body of work around this. You go out and post it. And you provide the user guide, help files, um, training for a product. And you take it away. That's competition, what drives all life on earth. Um, this is the other one where I'm saying also the reader then adds their stuff as well, right? So everybody's working together on this stuff. Talk about quality of information. You ever gone to CNN's I reporters? Yeah. What a mess. Yeah. You got a guy up there and they're talking about. Uh -huh. It's like, wait a minute, that guy works on the corner of the gas station. Right. And he's like the brilliant reporter telling about this event and all this, what's going to happen, and you're like. Right. That's not the guy I would add into my mashup probably but um, my basic idea here is that's where we're going to end up that's what the author will be right there a personalized aggregation and delivery is what they will do and they will write yes but it's not just writing and posting to a website anymore it's bringing all this information together adding their own information and then letting the user use their information I was on a uh, a, um, a, a comment today I made a comment that somebody was saying their customers want the um, to be able to add content to the help files and the um, people say no can't do it can't do it can't do it well I think customers aren't going to let you get along with that or away with that too much longer they want what they want when they want it and customers now want you to come to them and I don't think they, I think they're going to start writing their own help. They've been doing it for a long time in many industries. And here's the, um, here's my idea is that um, you can, someone in the cloud can start taking content and can become the subject matter expert. That's what you see with many of the blog sites out there, whether it's politics, technology. I know a guy who has put one together on, um, um, virtualized software and app streaming so he he's starting to become uh to build his own audience he's he's written books around it but he just starts blogging his first draft he'll send out there and that's his blog then he'll he'll move it all into fast pencil uh where it, it takes your blogs and then he'll write a book and so he'll the second draft will be there and so he's, he's got things going, you know, lat laterally and vertically, you know, with the content. And he's trying, and he, he's, um, he's making money off of advertising. He's selling books. He's writing um, um, papers. And so he's making money touching everything. 
here. And I'm saying, that, I don't know, predator kind of sounds cool to me. I'm not sure we have to go that far. I'm not saying I'm not going to, but um, what I'm saying is you can also work in collaboration with companies as well, especially if you are good. Okay, so he's posting everything in a blog and then he's turning around and publishing it in a book. Right. And he's making money off of both. He's making money off of both, right. He's also doing newsletters, right. He's also doing, thir uh, he's also going in and doing speaking engagements. And he's also going into companies and, and setting up their systems as well. Okay, so I just want to focus on the first few for a second with my question. Isn't the fundamental issue that, that the end user still wants at the end of the day, even with us being in the electronic age we are, the physical entity? I talk to people all the time right. about getting a Kindle. And most people I speak with say, no, I don't want a Kindle. For mm -hmm. me, the whole experience of a book is admin, smelling it, filling yes. it. Filling Yes. And even at my company, although we publish everything more or less electronically, every one of our customers calls up and says, please send us 50 manuals or please send right. us 20 years I think that I have a Nook. I just got a Nook and it died the first week. I have Sony Reader. I have tons of books and I like the book better. So when I'm on airplanes and I'm in Japan or Germany or somewhere, you know, it's hard for me to take all that stuff. So I've had to kind of, I'm one of the first people that said, I'll never have it. So I have to balance it, you know. It, it worked. If I want to break, it worked. And I'm sitting there with a book open. It's suspicious. But if my nook's sitting right there and I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Only John. But no, the, the blogs are probably free also, aren't they? Yes. So you can still go get the content right. for free, but everyone's still Well, free. yeah, but they only get the first draft, right. by the way. So he, he just spills it out there. So he's saying, I'm, I'm not going to take some time. You're going to have to pay for the good stuff. <laughs> okay. Back to who it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I heard on NPR a guy talking about, oh, the web's the greatest thing. You can find all your information. You'll stay there forever. There's, a, there's an index. You can go find everything you ever put out there. Like I would go out and find the index of, and search through it. And... Then I realized I'm listening to a guy talking about how great the web is and blogging who just wrote a book and is telling me about it on the radio. And I'm going, yeah, none of those are going away. The radio's not going away. Um, the book's not going away. But I think that I want to put a, a, um, a mashup on an uh, iPad because I want to keep the colors, I want to link out, I want to do a lot of things, but when I focus down on something, you know, um, that, is, that deserves a book, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's, that's what I'm doing too, is that I'm blogging, and then I'm moving it into another site, and then I'm doing the second, uh, I put my second draft out, okay? So I'm not just, I'm not that good, probably. And, uh, but then I'm moving my, I'm doing my final draft for a book later on. So. You know, it's, it's interesting because um, I think also the reason why people like books is a sense of permanence. Uh, mm. you, everybody remembers when uh, uh, George Lucas redid his Star Wars movies, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it caused like a bunch of t-shirts to come out that says, How, Han shut first, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. Um, people get the feeling that if you uh, use content strictly off the web, always malleable, it can always change, it can always be altered, and you cannot own it. Right. While with manuals and books and stuff like that, you feel a sense of permanency, 
that basically you have information that is stable and does not change. Format doesn't change. The format mm -hmm. doesn't change either. So I think that's why people are going to be wanting books still for a, a long time. I think so. But I, I think like John pointed out is that there's going to be times and, and you know we got another generation coming up here too. Yeah, that's right. They can't read. So, um, so that's taken care of. Um, they, um, I just think that there's going to be cases where I will want to have a Kindle, you know, like I'm on the plane. And, and for certain content, because this is a different type of content, right? I did that boat myself. I'm really proud. I mean, why would you have sails up at dock? I don't know. <laughs> Okay, let's get out of here. Um, sorry. sorry, I wasn't watching it go on and on and on. See how I am? Um, any questions around this? I've just kind of thrown things out there. Matter of fact, that's all I'm doing nowadays. Okay, so there's a lot of ideas out there. Um, and I, I think there's a lot more to be investigated here. I think there's, I don't think I'm right 100% maybe 40%, and I'm fudging that number. But I do think that there's something here that is, what I'm saying here is that the web, as far as writers, and this is why I put the democratic mercantilism in there, is that I think it's like a pre-industrial age almost out there with the information age. And I think there, there's going to be more chances of people working independently here writing their own stuff because we have now an infrastructure out there where we're all seeing pretty much the same. Um, and that's where I'm going to be going. And so join my website and see how I do. See if I'm starving and losing weight. 25 years ago when I started, everyone said in five years, everything you read, all the experts, you'll be a contractor. There won't be any writers working for the corporation. Right. I I think my, uh, I, well, some of the things I'm looking at, though, is that um, I believe that those left brain executives are um, wrong. I believe that outsourcing, I'll compete with them any day of the week. All right? And that's just what I want to do. I also think that we haven't moved writing to the 21st century, and that's what we need to do. So that's the world according to me. Any questions, by the way? You know what? My slides are already on my site. I stole them from my site. <laughs> so these are just graphics out of my blogs. Okay. So uh, mashstream.com. So my last thing was I'm reading, also reading the biography of, of uh, Benjamin Franklin. So I'm reading through him and seeing how innovative, you know, he developed the fins. He invented the fins. He invented, you know, the electricity thing, you know, all the inventions that he did. He's just looking out there at a new world, you know? And uh, we all need to reinvestigate Benjamin Franklin every now and then. But, and we're not even talking about he was a printer and he was a politician, of course. But um, I ask myself, what would he do in a wide open world here and a new printing thing? And um, I put down a few ideas what he would do. And I stay away from the dirty old man jokes, but uh, um, that's where this came from. Anyway, I believe there's a new world coming. <laughs> Thank you for indulging.
Thank you, Mike.